Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we are continuing with our series on diving deep into the terms and conditions that are found in the average game development and publishing agreement. Now, if you haven't followed the rest of the series, we're actually going to be talking about part seven today. The previous six parts of the document that we went over all come from Raw Fury, who made public their game publishing and development contribution agreement late last year in 2020. And we've talked about who owns the intellectual property. We've talked about the obligations of the developer to deliver the game at the end of the day, what obligations the publisher here, Raw Fury, has to market it, to fund it, what the two parties have to share when they finally make profits after this game is in the marketplace. And as of the last part, part six, we started to talk about more of the legal technicalities, which are still very, very, very important that go around a relationship of this type. Last week, we talked about representations and warranties, promises and confidences, the promises that the developer has to make about what they can sign, what they're going to deliver, what it means to actually enter into this agreement, that they have the capability to do so, and things of that nature, that the game won't infringe on third parties uh, and things along those lines. Today, we're going to talk about what the implications are if those promises are broken. One of the jobs of signing a contract with another party is so that you don't just have to trust each other to do everything. You're setting the parameters for what it looks like when the contract is actually breached. One of the ways we do that in the law, and especially in documents, in software, technology, venture capital, other things that you might see of a highly sophisticated nature, is through an indemnity provision, or what you might see called an indemnification provision. Indemnification is a fancy word that means that one party will pay for the damages, potentially the court costs, and other things of the other party by nature of the contract provision that they are entering into. Now, as you might imagine, This is a very, very important provision, and it is one of the most heavily negotiated as part of a contract negotiation process. As we've talked about in earlier parts of this series, this is a form document presented by a publisher, in this case, Raw Fury. So it is the starting point of negotiations. And everybody, every partner that Raw Fury has likely ever had, has somebody that looks at the contract and says, talk to me about this provision. I want to see this slightly changed. I want to see that slightly changed. This is a starting point. As such... We're going to talk about the indemnification provision as part of this video, but there are issues that I have with it if I were representing the developer that I would consider pretty close to a non-starter. But that doesn't make Raw Fury wrong to present it as such. This is a fairly aggressive uh, take that a publisher has put forward to say, hey, we want to get indemnified for anything and everything. We want to defend the lawsuit. We want all the powers and rights. And if I'm representing the developer side of things, well, that would result in a longer conversation because some of the things here represent exposure risks, which if I'm on the developer side, I wouldn't necessarily want them to take on. Like with any contract negotiation, that is a matter of leverage. It's a matter of what you think the publisher is offering you if you're the developer. It's a matter of what you think the developer is offering you if you're the publisher. Is this game just going to be the absolute next biggest thing? Well, then maybe I can allow for a few provisions that I wouldn't otherwise like in my indemnification because I think it's going to all work out. I have a great deal of trust in the management of this company. We've worked together for years. All of these things play into sitting on the opposite side of a table from someone and talking about these terms. So when I say this, this doesn't change the fact that I think that the overall document is a relatively fair one for a developer to consider. I don't see a lot of red flags that say, oh my God, don't ever work with this publisher. 
but there are, like in any form document, we wouldn't expect Raw Fury to negotiate against itself when they propose a document of this type. There are provisions that I would speak out against fairly strongly if I were negotiating something against them, and this indemnification provision is one. Now, because of the importance here, because there are dollars potentially changing hands, there are exposures and liabilities that could be betting the company, especially if you're on the smaller development side. This is one video where we're only going to talk about one section of this agreement, section 21. And we're going to take our time with it because it is so important. After this, we're going to talk about things like the termination provisions and the miscellaneous provisions to really button up this entire document. But this is one area where I thought it was really important to just talk about one concept. So let's begin. Indemnity, section 21, subsection A. Developer does hereby indemnify, save and hold harmless, publisher and publisher's subsidiaries, affiliates, licensees, assigns, officers, and employees from any and all loss and damage, we're going to skip the parenthetical for a second, arising out of or in connection with any claim by any third party based on facts or alleged facts inconsistent with any of the warranties, representations, or agreements made by developer under this agreement, or any breach of or act by developer which is inconsistent with any of the warranties, representations, or agreements made by developer under this agreement, and agrees to reimburse publisher on demand for any payment made or loss suffered with respect to any claims or act to which the foregoing indemnity applies. Clear as a whistle, right? You barely need a lawyer for this. I'm just kidding. Uh, every indemnification provision looks like this. This isn't Raw Fury's problem. This is every single document has a lot of things to deal with when you're talking about these concepts. So there's a lot built in. That's why you see the multicolored shading in just this one sentence to help identify what's going on. So the first thing we note is that it's a developer obligation. Developer does hereby do something. What do they promise to do by virtue of this section? They promise to indemnify, save, and hold harmless which is effectively a way of saying in legal terms of art, we are going to make you whole if you publisher have to deal with one of these problems. And what are those problems? That's if you or your family, subsidiaries, affiliates, licensees, assigns, officers, and employees, somebody related to the raw fury side of things, if you experience a loss or damage arising out of or in connection with any claim by any third party, so it's not just a claim from me, based on facts or alleged facts, inconsistent with the warranties and representations made by developer under this agreement. So if you wind up getting sued or threatened with lawsuit and you've got potential damages that are claimed by a third party arising out of my breach of the promises that I have made to you under this contract, then intuitively it is fair that I make you whole, right? If you somehow got in trouble because I promised you that I could sign this agreement or I promised you that I was complying with the laws and some regulatory agency says, oh, they weren't complying. We're going to bring Raw Fury in because they are a deeper pocket. Then this says, okay, <laughs> if we're going to fund your game and you get us into trouble in this way, you're going to pay for it for us. You're going to indemnify us, save and hold us harmless. You're going to make sure that we are made whole in that particular circumstance. Or any breach of or act by developer, which is inconsistent with those things. So it's a breach of the representations directly, or it's something that we did that winds up in that similar situation where there has been something that is inconsistent with the promises we've otherwise made. And we agree to reimburse publisher for any payment made or loss suffered with respect to any claim or act as to which the foregoing indemnity applies. Now, there's a couple of things here that I want to tear apart a little bit so that we can talk about a little bit more. First of all, you see it's any and all loss and damage. It's arising out of a claim made by a third party, 
But that loss and damage concept is very, very broad. It's not limited in any respect. In fact, the parenthetical broadens it even further. It says, including without limitation, fees and disbursements of counsel incurred by publisher, okay, that makes sense, in any action or proceeding between developer and publisher or between publisher and any third party or otherwise. That's where you have to hold the phone, right? Let's tap the brakes here a little bit if I'm sitting on the other side of this conversation from Raw Fury. Okay, we're talking about indemnification of a claim made by a third party. How do we get into a lawsuit and why do I owe your legal fees in that particular circumstance? Now, the answer to that is because unlike a lot of these licenses, a lot of these indemnity agreements or development agreements or publishing agreements, whatever it might be uh, in any particular context, this case, Raw Fury, the publisher is taking upon itself the right to settle these things, to solve them, and to litigate them. And that's where I would have a major problem if I'm on the developer side. You see that at the bottom part of this sentence, right? We agree to reimburse publisher for any payment made or loss suffered with respect to any such claim. The problem with that is that the risks are misaligned. We've talked a lot about how this particular agreement that Raw Fury has presented does a great job of aligning people, making sure they are rowing in the same direction in the same boat. They do that by making sure that the profits are accruing on an even basis, that each side has an incentive to go get those profits by having the terms in their agreement made mutual so that they are applying equally to either side. In this case, they forego that kind of mutuality and even-handedness to say, you owe us money for things that happen that are related to a third-party claim And if we go and we decide to pay it, you owe us a total reimbursement of that. Do you see the problem there? Ordinarily, in an indemnification provision like this, I like to have the defense and the settlement right track along with who owes the sack of money. In that case, if developer is going to have to indemnify publisher for these problems that it has from a third party, I don't want the publisher to have the sole authority to decide what a defense looks like, what a settlement looks like, because as far as they're concerned, they're insured for this. They've got a provision in a contract that says, hey, we're going to get made whole from all of this. So we don't have a great deal of incentive to knock those claims down, to lower whatever the request is from a cease and desist letter or anything like that, because they're going to be made whole. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to act completely on their own. In all of these instances, generally speaking, as we've said, a publisher and a developer have a good trust relationship if everything's working out. But when things don't work out, you don't like to see this kind of dichotomy in power. This continues in the next part of this section. In the case of a claim by a third party, which again is the only kind of claim that should really result in this indemnification, even with this parenthetical here, in the case of a claim by a third party, Publisher shall give developer prompt written notice of any such claim and shall be entitled to conduct the defense or settlement thereof. You saw this hinted at at the end of the prior sentence. Now you see it writ large in black and white on the page. Publisher shall give developer reasonable progress reports and developer shall give publisher reasonable assistance in defending or settling any such claim. Now, ordinarily, The way I like to see this, the way it is more often seen, to be totally honest with you, is that if there's an identification provision like this, developer gets the right to defend, gets the right to settle, as long as that settlement doesn't result in the other side having to do something that's injunctive or equitable, or having to pay something more than the indemnification if the indemnification was capped or somehow could otherwise leak to the other party. The the defense here, the developer would get those rights to litigate uh, on its own behalf since it's the one holding the bag. And then the other side, in this case, the publisher, could pay for its own additional counsel, co-counsel for that defense, if it saw fit to do so. 
That is the much more standard way of approaching this. And if this were faced to me on the other side of the table, I would say, no, no, come on. If I'm going to indemnify, then I get the right to defend. I get the right to settle. We'll make sure you're protected so it doesn't leak over to you, but you don't get the right to sign checks for me. And that's really one of the first major areas in this contract where I've said, okay, Raw Fury, you, you did something within market standards. I've seen people sign documents like this. More power to you. It's your form document. I would tell my client in this particular circumstance, well, you got to be very careful when you sign something like this because there's virtually unlimited exposure and they have no incentive to lower that exposure for you. So that's one of the big issues here, but that's how an indemnification provision works. You have the developer promising to pay the publisher. If something happens, a third party comes out of the woodwork, sues probably both the developer and the publisher, and the publisher says, hey, it's not our fault. They broke their promises to us. You say, yep, that's true. I will indemnify you for the promises that I broke. We'll see later on in this section that Raw Fury agrees to do pretty much the same thing back to the developer, although it doesn't matter as much when their primary responsibility is payment of money and marketing, and they have all this language in the document that allows them to determine what good marketing looks like. It's much harder for the publisher to break its promises here than it is for the developer who has to deliver a video game. It has to be bug-free. It has to not infringe on others' intellectual property, other things. They're the party that's actually creating something. It's much more likely that they'll have trouble with the identification provisions or the reps and warranties. Continuing with section B, we talk specifically about infringement. This is one of the major, major areas when you're creating software, really if you're creating anything and you have a contract with another party about that creation. This section says, in the event that through the breach of any of developers' representations and warranties or the failure of developer to perform any of its obligations herein, so if As a result of the developer breaking its promises, whether that's a promise to do something or a promise that they said about themselves, distribution of the game is or is reasonably likely to be adjudged infringing or otherwise unlawful or violate of any right of any third party or violate infringing game. So if you've got a game and because you broke your promises to us, it's going to be deemed unlawful. You infringed on something. You stole some assets. You stole something from somebody else. This is something that a publisher is fully within its rights to try to protect against because it's not in the room when this game is being made in all circumstances. And you go and you find something that's a cute piece of code on some forum somewhere and you put it in your game. That's a problem if that third party now finds that it's worth millions of dollars. Third party comes and sues Raw Fury. Raw Fury says, whoa, we've got a problem. If it looks like it's going to be infringing, you're going to fix it. How are you going to fix it? This section tells you. Developers shall, at its sole cost and expense, either promptly modify the game so that publisher's distribution as permitted here under ceases to be infringing or wrongful. You'll fix it. You'll get rid of the stuff that is infringing or promptly procure for publisher the right to continue distributing the game. You will go and you will license it from that third party. You will figure it out. You will settle it. And you will make sure that we have the rights that you told us we would have when you agreed to this document with us. Now, there's a couple minor issues here. I think this is a pretty normal kind of circumstance for an infringement. I would like to see it expressly stated who has the option, right? Developer shall at its own, at its sole cost and expense either doesn't tell you whether the publisher can force subsection I or two or, or, or II, and it doesn't tell you whether the developer has the choice. Ordinarily, I'd like to see at, at its sole discretion or at publisher's discretion so that we can at least negotiate the point. Who are we talking about? gets to decide whether it's modification or license. Um, I think it's probably developer. It reads a little bit closer to that to me. But again, if I'm on the developer side, I want that expressly written. And if I'm the publisher side and I don't want that to be the case, I'd want it expressly written in the converse. In the case of an infringing game, 
developers shall promptly reimburse publisher for all costs incurred in replacing copies of the game or for all refunds given, as well as all reasonable costs of removing all infringing copies of the game from the channels of distribution. Makes sense. An infringing game, again, is a capitalized term. This I should be capitalized just in terms of typos, referring specifically to an infringement related to developer's breach. If there's a different kind of infringement, say publisher's marketing is infringing, it wouldn't fall under an infringing game. If it's somehow combined with another publisher game or in some other facet that isn't related to developer's breach, wouldn't fall under this definition. So we don't have an issue there. So if it is developer's fault, it makes sense that developer would have to compensate publisher for getting the thing off the shelves so that it doesn't continue to incur legal expenses. Publisher shall be entitled to offset any royalty or other payments due to developer under this agreement against any sums owed by developer to publisher under clause A. So hey, if you owe us money for going and having to do what amounts to a recall, then we get to offset any money we owe to you, whether in terms of royalties or distributions or anything else as a function of this agreement or any other agreement. Look, we're two parties. And if we have a bunch of different documents, we can offset charges against you against anything we owe to you in any capacity. It's a little broad. And maybe we would talk about that depending on the network of contracts that these two parties have. But again, it's perfectly understandable where if we have to incur these costs, we get to offset it. Might want to have some kind of audit or check right so you make sure that the publisher is properly telling you the amounts that are being incurred under the subsection. Otherwise, offset. Totally normal and understandable. And then subsection C here, following the commencement of any litigation covered by this section in which publisher is named as a defendant, Publisher shall be entitled to withhold royalty payments and all other sums payable to developer hereunder pending the outcome of such litigation. Now, that's another major problem, right, for the developer. And, and again, it's probably warranted, but it's one of those where we'd have to talk about it if we were in the midst of a negotiation here, which says, okay, you don't think you infringed. Somebody just comes out of the woodwork and they make this outlandish claim. You've got an identification responsibility. You've got a fixed responsibility. You've got an offset right coming to the publisher but also you have this pause here at the bottom. If there's a litigation pending and we don't know who's gonna win, even if we think we've got every chance in the world, publisher says we're holding off on paying you. Understand that at the same moment in time, publisher might be making all that money in terms of gross revenue from the game actually being out there in stores while the litigation is pending. And so it's not an entirely equitable solution for this, but you do understand where Raw Fury and other publishers are coming from, which is to say, in the case of an infringement, there's such a major potential exposure, a major prospect of liability that they want to make sure that they aren't left holding the bag. Even though they have this contract identification right, it doesn't much matter if the developer goes under. So it doesn't want to be making these checks and payments uh, in advance when this litigation could sweep them all away. Now, I think there are reasonable ways that you can get around this, potential holdbacks and escrows and maybe drip feeds of money to make sure that the developer can keep the lights on when there's a pending litigation, especially if they really don't think they did anything wrong. As we've talked about in virtual legality, there can certainly be infringement and intellectual property claims and patents and other things that are not terribly strong in their nature, that there are challenges that are people trying to leverage their position to go and get money from something that is majorly successful. And you would certainly hate to see a developer be forced to go under from a lack of funds because this litigation is pending when we know that it's very likely to go away in a couple of months. Now, Raw Fury can always just elect not to withhold it in its entirety. It doesn't have to follow the rights that it has under this subsection, but then you're left at the largest of the publisher. And that would certainly be a conversation we would like to have on the developer side at the outset.
hey, all right, do you need a full pause for one of these? Is there some way that we can do something else? We can effectively give you a certain amount of security if this happens or figure out a manner in which we still get a certain amount of money to make sure that we can keep going even if this litigation is outstanding, especially if it might be specious and get kicked out in what amounts to short order in the legal world, but is definitely not short order in the real world. Finally, we come to the last subsection in this indemnity provision that talks about the reverse of the developer's obligation to indemnify. Here it says, publisher does hereby indemnify, save, and hold harmless developer and developers, subsidiaries, affiliates, licensees, assigns, officers, and employees from any and all loss and damage arising out of or in connection with any claim by any third party or any breach of or act by publisher, which is inconsistent with any of the warranties, representations, or agreements made by publisher in this agreement and agrees to reimburse developer on demand for any reasonable payment made or loss suffered with respect to any claim or act to which the foregoing indemnity applies. Now, we don't have the bottom half of this language here, right? We don't have this talk about who controls the defense in such a circumstance. Certainly, based on the precepts of mutuality we've seen throughout the agreement, one thing that I would like to see, regardless of which way it goes, is that section A here should match section C. This is a common refrain when you're negotiating indemnification provision. In fact, you can see certain differences in the language here, even describing what damages and what types of claims will be defended against. I think they wind up in roughly the same place. The problem is by having any sorts of different words here in C rather than in A, you introduce the possibility of ambiguities. And if you are talking about money changing hands and responsibilities and exposures, especially ones that could scuttle the entire enterprise, you don't want those ambiguities at all. So one of the things I would like to see in an identification provision of this type is maybe make this whole section mutual, make it so that it's both of either party shall defend the other from all of this stuff, make it so that it's all the same language that we get to see who controls the defense in each case so that we aren't fighting about it. We aren't having these particular circumstances. That being said, it is good to see that the concept of mutuality, that developer shall indemnify publisher for developers broken promises and publisher shall indemnify developer for publishers broken promises is a good thing. The concept is good, but certainly from a legal perspective, one of the things we would like to see is to have that mutuality because that's how you best protect both sides. That's how you get both sides to focus on what the words actually say when they know that this is how they will benefit. Sure, it's also how they could potentially be exposed. It really heightens and clarifies that kind of communication process. And I think we've actually seen that philosophy throughout the remainder of the document. So that's indemnification, but as you can tell, this is why it is so important and why it is so heavily negotiated because it does control all aspects of the possibilities of breach, right? If you breach this document, whether you're the developer or the publisher, this is where the remedies live. And this is also a place where in other kinds of documents, depending on how much money is at stake, what the kind of prospect of paying that money to the other party is, whether it's in the development phase or the marketing phase or elsewhere, you might see even more bells and whistles here. You might see specific caps. You might see specific reps and warranties treated differently than other ones, specific survival periods that might match certain warranties and certain promises. And so this is actually a fairly simple version of an indemnification provision. I think that's great but certainly it's introduced some concepts that I think are potentially problematic, not the least of which is this concept that publisher will have the right to control the defense or settlement of something that the developer owes the cash for. That to me is pretty much unworkable. If you're going to indemnify, you should get the right to defense. That cuts both ways. I think certainly on C, publisher should get the right to defend if it's the one that would have to cut the check at the end of the day. And I, I certainly think we could see that mutuality 
in an agreement of this type. But that's indemnification. That is paying for problems, as we said in the thumbnail of this video. After we've talked about this now, we are through part seven of this 10-part series. Next, we're going to be talking about the term and termination provisions of the agreement. That is the last material substantive section of the agreement, then you will have gotten through all of it if you've watched the entirety of this series. Part nine is all the rest where we talk about miscellaneous provisions, some important ones, what's going to be the controlling law of the contract, where you have to sue, whether there's an arbitration provision, things along those lines, but very easy to kind of discuss uh, amongst the parties as part of that negotiation process. Finally, we'll finish up by an overview of everything that we've talked about in this series and conclude our first long form 10 part deep dive into a contract. Many thanks again to Raw Fury, of course, for making this contract available. You can see a link to it directly in the description to this video and the rest of the videos on this series. If you like this, please consider supporting the channel, liking, subscribing, seeing our support outlets in the descriptions to these videos. We love to talk about the business and law of video games, technology, software, and pop culture in general. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.